Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I have another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro on the line with me as a co-host. I have new mom, Ashley Samples. Uh, Ashley, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me today. Cool. So Ashley's going to be co-hosting this. We also have another guest on the line. I'm going to get to him in a minute, though. First, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Ufos. Ufos are the recovery sandals and shoes. Just got a whole bunch of new ones in. For the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team, super excited. They just came out with Green Grid is what it's called, but it's a sandal and it's colored green, the top of it. So that's like my new, now my Conquer the Gauntlet UFO, post-race UFOs. So I would check those out. It uh, just came out, and they also came out with a couple different variations of stuff they've had before. So they now have like a slide that you can actually kind of like un-Velcro the top and re-Velcro it. So if you want a tighter fit or an adjustable fit. Uh, Ashley, give me some of your thoughts on UFOs. They're super comfortable. I love that the slides you can wear with socks. A lot of times post-race, you know, it feels it feels good to get to wash yourself and put on clean socks and slip into some sandals. And then they also have the flip-flop version, um, which are comfortable for those bare feet days as well. Yeah, absolutely. I wear the shoes on taper, day, taper days too. So as I'm leading into a big race, I'll wear that because, again, absorbing the impact, trying to lessen the stress on my body allow myself to recover faster. And their foam absorbs 37% more impact than traditional running shoe foam. So check them out, pick up a couple pairs, buy some for your family. They're awesome. They're going to love them, especially for anyone that stands on their feet all day. All right, let's get into our guest. George, joining us, and I should have asked how to say your last name properly. We have Jordan, is it Bushimi or Bushemi? Bushemi. Bushemi. Okay. I, that's what I was going to go with, but I've heard other people say it differently and I was second guessing myself. So it's good to have Jordan back on the podcast. We had him on and probably, it must have been like the fourth or fifth episode, super early in, the, in our series. Uh, but he has continued to be a rising star, not only doing well in mandatory obstacle completion courses, but then kind of switched over, focusing on Spartan in the last, I would say, two years-ish, and has been doing really well there. Uh, recently finished first in the Chicago Beast and the Chicago uh, Sprint. Finished Michigan Spartan Sprint first at the Tahoe Spartan Beast World Championships. Finished 29th in the world, so very impressive. Um, and a lot of the results I'm reading from are from this specific year. So Michigan Spartan Super third, CTG Iowa. So still showing some love to the mandatory obstacle completion course first. Um, and I believe you're undefeated minus one race at CTG, which you came in second. So quite a collection there. I believe you have seven gauntlets. Is that correct now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's seven. Yeah, so go count. <laughs> so awesome, and then also did some mountain bike racing this year, which was nice. Some good cross training, five uh, k, some local stuff, and finished fifteenth at the Seattle Spartan Super National Series, and then also fifteenth at the Jacksonville Spartan Super National Series. So Jordan, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Happy cool. to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back on. We're going to talk a lot about. Spartan this episode, which is not something we usually do because I think the other podcasts that are about OCR cover that pretty well. So I don't want to just kind of put out redundant information. Uh, but what I like about Jordan is one, he started off in some of the smaller and more than some, a lot of the mandatory completion races, and then has transitioned over to Spartan. So we're going to get some of his opinions on things. And then on top of that, you know, Spartan, whether people like it or not, is the leader in the OCR industry as far as the competitive side goes. I don't think that's really up for debate. I mean, they offer the largest prize money. They have national series, uh, world championships on multiple different distances. And wherever Spartan is going, I think a lot of the other brands tend to follow because uh, they view what they're doing as successful. So I think knowing what Spartan is doing is going to help kind of predict what some of the smaller brands are doing and kind of tell us where the industry is going. So Jordan, uh, let's Take a little bit of back. What made you make the switch from a lot of the mandatory obstacle completion courses to Spartan? Um, pretty much just trying to make this, you know, a full-time thing. You know what I mean? Like I love competing. And if I could 
do this as, you know, my career, um, I had to go, I had to go the route where it was progressing a lot faster and, you know, Spartan races really doing that, you know, they're on TV, they have great prize money, they have races like every weekend, you know, um, that's where the publicity's at. And really, if you want to do this as a professional athlete, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where you have to go, you know, and I just, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I, I can't do it completely now. I still work, but I mean, that's what I'm trying to pursue. And Spartan is the most, you know, consistent race series that's on the rise. So kind of got to stick with that. Right you make on. a great point because a lot of the pros, you know, have to follow where the money goes. And mm -hmm. like we saw with Battlefrog, they quickly recruited a lot of the top pros because of the payouts and the frequency of the racing and things like that. So it, it's a smart decision. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I still love the small races. You know, my favorite races are the mandatory obstacle completion races. They always will be, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the burpees, you know, but you know, I just, I follow suit and I do love Spartan race. It's such a great race. Um, but I do wish they would just, stop the burpees stop yeah. the spear throw stuff like that you know but hey it is what it is and i'll play along right on now i know spartan made some significant rule changes this year to some of their obstacles uh one of them being the bucket carry just kind of take us through that change in the rule and you know some your general thoughts on if that was a good idea and stuff like that yeah so they switched it to where you can actually have it on your shoulders now you used to have to carry it right out in front of you or behind you just carrying it like with just your hands and um uh I actually I preferred it the other way because it just made it a lot harder you know when you get in a race it's in you know it taxes your grip when you're having to carry it without like on your fingertips now you just toss that thing on your shoulders and you can kind of just run with it you know so it um it's kind of funky sitting on top of your shoulders so it's it's awkward but I mean you can you can rest it like as if you're resting a barbell on your back and kind of hold it with both hands. You can put it on one shoulder now, or you can put it on the other shoulder. You can switch and go back and forth. It's much faster now. Um, which, what's, your, what's your preferred technique that you've perfected over um, the last couple I, of races? Yeah, I grew up roughing, right? So I'm used to carrying shingles, like bundles of shingles. So I carry it like a bundle of shingles. So I just throw it on one shoulder, usually my left. And then if that starts to get, you know, a little sore, then I'll swap over to my right side. So one shoulder and then I can kind of just run with it so this might be yeah. a dumb question but is is there lids on the buckets I've seen yeah. some pictures where okay yeah I wasn't still sure lids if that on the was buckets. a new thing yeah and that's pretty scary too because I mean just this last race in, actually in Chicago I came up to the bucket and I, I went and grabbed a bucket and the lid fell off and I was like all right well I'm not grabbing that one and I told the volunteer you know toss that one to the side and then I just grabbed another one but um you know, if you, if you drop all that out, yeah, that's a repeat, you know? So, I mean, if you have it sitting there where, you know, the lid accidentally falls off, I mean, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, that's terrible. They are pre-filled pre -filled now, which I think is a better decision because before you, people had to fill them themselves and, you know, like, they're like, all right, well, it's got to be above the, you know, the little holes or whatever the line. And then, you know, as you're running, it settles a little bit. So it actually ends up a little bit lower than wherever you started. And I think that puts yeah. the puts the volunteer in a really rough place where it's like, all right, here comes, you know, Ryan Atkins or whoever's in first. And it's like, oh, your rocks are a quarter of an inch too low. Do you send that guy back? You know, like it's making the volunteer make a really tough decision. And uh, I, I do like the fact that it's pre-sealed, it's standardized a little bit more. Um, yeah. You make a good point there. Like, because, you know, you could a couple pounds makes a big difference, you know, Little, little bit here, a little bit there makes a huge difference in a long way. So, I mean, with it all being pretty much the same straight across, then yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. So I like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, the rule changes apply to everyone. So, you know, whether, you know, I think some, for you personally, I think that plays not to your advantage, right? Cause you have great grip strength. And I think some of the other um, people you're racing against are not nearly as proficient there on the grip strength. So making them, making you carry it in front, I would say made you better because it weakened them and weakened you, but not as significantly. So. Yeah, true. That's exactly, that's exactly why I was thinking I liked it the previous way. I'm like, where those guys grip out, please. Yeah. 
So, uh, did well in the national series. Did you do all, I think you only did a couple of them this year, right? Only two. Yeah, I just, I just did the two Seattle and uh, Jacksonville. Why not the other ones? Um, you know, I, I just had, uh, I wanted to, right. But then I, I got injured. Right. And I just kind of sat back and then had to deal with that for a while. What was the injury? Um, I was dealing with Achilles, Achilles problem on my left side. And, uh, it just, I could not shake it. You know, the only thing I could do was biking. That's why I got into biking and I could lift. So I was lifting and biking and then, um, yeah, it, anytime it just got a little bit better, I would start running on it again and then it'd come back. And yeah, so it kind of took me out for a little bit, but I think overall it made me better because I, um, I cross trained really well. And instead of getting really good at running, I had to get very well rounded. So I was doing so many other things. Like I was swimming, I was biking, I was lifting, a lot more climbing, you know, um, I just didn't run. Right on. Any specific thing you could recommend to avoid a similar injury in the future? Or was it just like an overuse thing? You think you just got aggravated? Yeah. You know, at the very beginning of the year, I, um, I switched up my training and I, I started getting fast really fast and I already had a little bit of problems like overuse pains from last year and I was getting fast and I was loving how fast I was getting. So I was ignoring everything and I just kept on going and I was PR and in all my runs and um, yeah, I just ignored it. And then that's just how it got worse. So it was just overuse from nagging stuff in the past. But um, I would say definitely just listen to your body. If you got some pain, you need to take, take the time to figure that out, you know? And sometimes it's really hard to tell when you're training all the time and you're sore, right? So you really got to take a couple of days off to let that soreness go away so that you can actually feel the pain that's injury pain and not soreness pain. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's a great point. A lot of times it's hard to distinguish one from the other if you're so used to being in some state of pain at, at all times. Mm-hmm. Did you end up taking an off season this past year or did you just kind of try to train through it? Um, I took, I took a good like month off. Okay. Right. Uh, straight, straight. Uh, yeah. Straight from last year. I think I took all of December off. I might've been actually two months. I'll have to go look at my, my like Garmin and stuff like that and check that all out. But I think it, yeah, it was definitely a month minimum. Right. But they started up the, uh, national series so fast you know like the first one in jacksonville was yeah, it was so early fast. I think it was, yeah and you know like that's usually i usually don't like to start racing until about april may you know so it kind of forced me into this um i was trying to get fast real fast and i did you know and that's kind of what messed me up so, yeah because the, the first the jacksonville race was the end of february because it was the same day as ocr mill two four because we were we were watching the race before I went down on the treadmill all day. So that was mm-hmm. specifically where I remember that. Yeah. Right so on. I'm not a fan of that getting done so early because I need that time off. You know? Yeah. I think that all the athletes need that time off. You need, you need a break. You need an off season. You can't just be grinding people into the ground year round. Like every sport has a off season. So. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Tahoe. Now Spartan world championships, Tahoe, you know, the weather is a little bit unpredictable. And this year it was, I mean, it was at the bad end of the unpredictable spectrum there. So tell us a little bit about that experience and how Tahoe went. Yeah. So I got into uh, Tahoe Tuesday, right? The race wasn't until Sunday. So I got there with the family. We, we planned a little vacation around it Tuesday to Tuesday. So I wanted to spend some times up real hot, so some time up real high and just kind of you know, have a good time and relax and be stress-free before the race. And it was real hot the first few days. And then all of a sudden the weather just changed, which um, it doesn't really bother me much because the weather's always changing by me like that all the time anyways. But yeah, you're, uh, up, you're up in Wisconsin, Racine area, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it gets, it gets real hot here and humid and then it gets real cold, you know, one day hot, one day cold. So we're used to like the extremes, like back and forth, back and forth. So we, it didn't really bother us much, but I was actually really excited uh, hearing that it was going to be very cold because I, 
I like to spend a lot of time in the cold, like ice bathing and just going outside when it's really cold. I love the extremes. So if it's like really, really hot outside, I make sure I'm outside training in it. If it's really, really cold outside, I make sure I'm outside training in it. So um, I take really cold showers like all the time. Uh, just so like the cold, I, I actually like the cold. So when they seen the weather forecast and it was going to be cold, I was like, yes. You know what I mean? I might not be able to keep up with these mountain runners, but I know I can handle the cold better than them. Like, so, uh, yeah, I was like, I was really excited for it. And then, you know, race day, uh, they kind of were going back and forth. They delayed the race two hours, right? So it was supposed to start at 9am, which is already late. Um, then we got there and we didn't find out until we got there that they delayed it two hours. So then it was starting at 11 and you know, that messes everything up because you wake up in the morning you eat, right. You got this whole schedule, you know, your nutrition, uh, what you're drinking, you know, you could have rested a little bit longer. So, you know, I actually just took my caffeine like right when we got there because I was like, all right, this still kick in right at the start, you know? So I took caffeine early and I had to do it again. And then they canceled the swim. Right. And then mm -hmm. they're like, Oh no, the swim's back on. So I was like switching clothes. Right. And then they were like, all right, it's canceled again. And I'm like, what the heck? You know what I mean? So I switched clothes again. And then finally, like 45 minutes before the race, they're like, all right, swim's on. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, it was just, it was, it was crazy, but I was really happy that they kept the swim on. So right on. That's pretty much that in a nutshell so far, what I miss. Yeah, I know. That, was, that, was, <laughs> that was good. So the, if anyone was, follows you on Facebook or Instagram, they would have noticed your choice of outfit. So take me through what you were wearing because you looked dramatically different from the rest of your competitors. Yeah, um, I, I took a pair of mudgear socks and I cut, the, um, I cut the feet off and I used those as arm sleeves. And that was just so that when I was crawling, I didn't mess in like mess my arms up because you know it was I knew I was gonna get numb and I didn't want to like cut myself open or anything like that. But I wore no shirt and I wore um you know just shorts, short compressions, and uh I did have a jacket packed for after the swim, but I didn't end up using it until a little later after the swim. But the day before we had a pool right by us, um, where we were staying right by our condo. So the day before I practiced, you know, it was real cold, it was snowing by us. And I practiced with all my gear on, like long, long gear. I jump in the pool, went for a run, see how long it took me to get warm. Um, and then I did the same thing with like less, with no shirt, stuff like that. And I noticed that I just got really warm, really fast with nothing on. Um, with everything on, it just kind of felt like a sponge and it was just sucking all the heat out of me, you know? So I was like, you know, it, it might suck for a little bit, but um, it's going to pay off in the end. So made a game plan just to go pretty much naked and let my body heat itself up. And it worked, you know? So you, you feel like you made the smart decision on clothing choice? Yeah, I think I might have looked like I didn't make a smart decision, but I think I was probably really smart with my decision. So I agree with you because uh, so one of my friends messaged me and asking about like their people's clothing choice. And I was like, I was like, it's hard for me to say because I wasn't there. So I don't want to, you know, like judge too harshly. I was like, but it seems like most people are overdressed. And, you know, when I race tough as mudder and you're constantly getting wet, I tend, like, as long as, until it gets super cold, I'm shirtless. I mean, even in uh, Philadelphia, it was like two years ago, I was shirtless when other people were in full wetsuits. And it was just like you said, because you go in, you get wet and it's uncomfortable. It's terrible, right? You get out, but you run and like two minutes later, you're literally dry versus having mm. this wet, you know, top on that you think's keeping you warm and it's not. It's just it's just keeping you wet and sucking the heat out of you. So yeah, I, I was lo I love to see someone take that approach and uh love hearing your feedback and how it actually panned out. Do you remember what the actual temperature was in time? Um, you know, it was it was it was below thirty at the start. Ooh. Yeah, so it was borderline where they were gonna close the swim. It was actually, I think, when we started the race, the temperature, like their, their calculations for the temperature was like 80 degrees, right? So if the, the water and the air 
were below 80 degrees. Like if you added those two temperatures together and it was below 80 degrees, they had to cancel the swim. If it was above, then um, they would keep it on. But when we started the race, it was below, right? And they, they like looked at the weather forecast and they're like, well, by the time they get it to the top of the mountain, it should be warm enough. So they mm. kind of took a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, yeah, it was really cold, but um, I, it really didn't phase me. It really didn't affect me, honestly. Uh, and I, you know, I know it's, it's different for me because I come from somewhere where it's cold too. So I'm a, like I said, I'm more used to it than somebody that probably came from California area where it's hot or Mexico Right, you know, Florida. So yeah, my my Florida girl is like cringing just hearing about this, seeing the videos. I'm mm -hmm. totally uh, freaked out by what you guys had to go through. Yeah, it's. I love it. <laughs> I loved every. I loved every little bit of it. Honestly, you know, um, I had a great time. I had a really good time. So, and. Yeah. The, the other thing I was going to caveat the temperature and the shirtless running is one, you need to be running, right? Like if you're not running, you're not generating body heat. So if you're walking, it's, it's not going to work well because you're not generating enough heat to stay warm. And then the other thing I'll caveat it with is it works better when the sun is out, right? Cause the sun can actually dry you at night. You know, when you get wet, it's takes a little bit longer to dry. So, um, sunny days and yeah. And you need to be running. And, and it was so windy. It was so windy at the top of the hill, uh, at the top of the mountain, that, you know, it was like a blow dryer, a cold blow dryer. But it just, I mean, the wind was just slapping you. And it, I mean, that wind just dried you off right away, too. So that helped. But, yeah, the only other thing I had a game plan was just to make sure my hands were warm all the time. So I got those Blegmit lights from you. Thank yeah. you. Those helped. Uh those really, really helped. I loved those. Uh, I actually kept hand warmers. I was holding on to hand warmers the entire time. And, uh, you know, I'll just flip them back, stuff the hand warmers like right in my waistband. And then back and forth, you know, the whole time my hands were never cold. Uh, and that helped, you know, the game plan was just to always keep my hands warm. If my hands warm, they're always going to work. So I'm yeah, glad you mentioned that a bit of time. So uh, Jason Rulo, the maker of the Neptune shirt, essentially the shirt with all the little heat packs in it, um, mm -hmm. has also, I don't think he actually has put them up publicly for sale because I think there's some, start getting into like copyright issues with the material he's using, but he created a pouch uh, made from a fabric, which I'm not going to name for fear of copyright problems, um, that essentially you can take the pouch, put the heat hand warmer in there, and then put them inside your gloves for Blegmit. So if you're like super paranoid about getting cold hands or, you know, maybe conditions like you were in, um, you know, I think you can contact Jason Rulo and he can probably hook you up. Obviously you have to pay for them because they cost money to produce, but um, yeah. So it, it allows that to, it'll prevent the hand warmer from getting as wet, um, which should keep it burning hotter longer. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. I'll hit them up. Yeah. Cool. I mean, so the, there was, I heard there's a lot of blowback from, I, I don't, again, I don't follow Spartan that closely, um, but I heard there's a lot of blowback from them keeping the swim open. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. My opinion is, you know, whatever they decide to do, it's, it's a level playing field for everyone. You know, whether that's a smart business decision uh, to get people wet on in that temperatures. I mean, that's, I mean, that's Spartan's call. You know, they're, mm -hmm. it's their business. They, they can run it how they want. If they want to accept that risk, then, you know, in the name of their brand, then I say go for it. If they don't, then I hope I'm also okay with that. So I think as long yeah. as it's a level playing field with everyone, you know, then, you know, it is obstacle course racing, right? Like the, the it's weather is one of the variables we have to face in addition to terrain and in addition to obstacles. So, you know, the swim was super short too, though, you know, and I feel like they would have been damned if they did and damned if they didn't, you know, like uh, people complaining about the swim being open if they would have closed it, I think more people would have complained about it being closed. You know, true. it's like, you can never win, you know, but the swim was actually really short. It was probably like 20 meters total. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wish it would have been a little longer. <laughs> I wanted to be in there longer. I mean, when it's so cold that you really don't feel, it feels hot, you know, it feels warm, you know, you just go numb. So right. um, I'm, I'm happy with the decision they made with keeping it open. I wish they would have kept, they did close the dunk wall, right? Because the, your head had to go under. Uh, oh, which another thing I brought 
um, I brought a swim cap and that helped. That helped a lot. Like I put that on and I actually ran with it after for a while too. So before I went to the swim, I hurry up through the swim cap on and did the swim and my ears and head were completely warm. And I just, I ran probably like two more miles with it on. And before I took it off, I was getting hot, you know? So yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that thing's not breathing very well. So that's, it's keeping the heat in. Yeah. That's good oh, technique yeah, for sure. Yep. So that was good. So you, I got you fi- that from buddy Mike Ferguson told me about that. I was like, yeah, thanks bro. So you finished 29th, uh, which is awesome. Were you expecting around that finish or uh, do you think the weather helped or hurt or what, what where was your Honestly, kind of expectations going into the race? When I, yeah. When I was going there, I thought I was going to get top 10. I really was confident with the top 10 finish. I've been training hills so much and I feel like I'm in really good shape and I felt great, but I learned that I cannot run mountains like these guys really fast in the first two miles in the first two miles. Like they were a half mile ahead of me and I just could not do it. I couldn't do anything else, but it was the elevation. That's what did it. It's, yeah. You got it. Like you got to do it and experience it to know. So now I know, you know, um, no regrets. Like I had a great time and I, I am really happy with my finish, but if I'm ever going to be able to compete with these guys in the mountains, I'm going to need to spend time in the mountains, like a lot more time in the mountains. And I think if I do, then yeah, top 10 is, it, it should, should not be an issue for me. But until I do that, uh, yeah, that's, I got what I got, but I'm happy with it. So right on. Yeah. Cool. Now I do want to talk a little bit more about Jordan, but I know Ashley has a baby to take care of. Um, so we're going to quickly switch over to Ashley. Um, Ashley, tell us about your road back into running after having a new baby and congratulations, by the way, cause I don't think we've publicly acknowledged uh, the new yeah. little one, new little girl. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so this is mom round number two for me, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, I had a, a little boy in 2016 and now a little girl, um, at the end of July and, um, two completely different experiences. My son was born at 32 weeks and I was very thankful to carry this baby full term and she was born at 39 weeks. So, um, I got a lot bigger this time than I did the first time. And, um, basically as soon as I was cleared to start running, I started running and now I am in a boot. (laughs) Um, because, you know, I, uh, I, I jumped into things as soon as I could and must have went a little bit overboard and was diagnosed with a stress fracture in my right foot. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's been a short, um, a short road. <laughs> so, um, when you talk to the doctor, was that because of the period of inact, like essentially the period of, cause you were working out, uh, during your pregnancy. Oh, so yeah. w- was it a matter of, you know, jumping into things too fast or, <clears throat> right? I mean, your body's going through all sorts of crazy hormone changes, but I don't know how that right. affects the density and brittleness of your bones. Um, it actually does. And, yeah. and I never knew that. And I didn't realize that the first time. And, and it could have been, again, just from, you know, not, not being pregnant as long and things like that. But yeah, your, your bones are weakened from... Um, both pregnancy and breastfeeding. And so you're at higher risk during those times um, for, for bone injuries, like stress fractures. Um, And so now I'm learning the lesson the hard way. Um, I started out running like two miles just to see if I could still run. And I'm like, Oh, I feel really good. And pushed my way up to like six miles within like a week of returning to running. And, um, I, I think that quote long run was the one that, that really did it. Gotcha. And obviously you're, there's, there's not much training going on now cause you have the boot on, but how are you balancing taking care of a newborn and training? Right. Cause my, I mean, we have a newborn in my house also, but my wife 
doesn't have a job. So her, her job is to literally take care of the baby and do everything it needs. And it's a full-time job. Like, how are you managing, how are you managing to even try to juggle any of that? (laughs) Well, it's, it's fun. Like, um, like Jordan said with injury, you know, you have to resort to other things. So, um, I've been doing a little bit of lifting. I'm not like a heavy lifter, um, but just like toning and that kind of thing. And um, also been riding the bike. I take off my boot to ride the bike. I don't know if I'm supposed to or allowed to, but you know, we do things anyway. <laughs> um, Maybe a little difficult with the big boot on riding the bike. Yeah, exactly. I can't get my foot on the pedal. Yeah. Um, you need one of so the, you, need, you need to put one of the uh, the clips in on the bottom of your boot so it locks in like a cycling <laughs> shoe. Yeah, I should try that. It'll be really good. And it's super <laughs> stiff too, right? Cycling shoes are stiff, so it transfers the power. This seems flawless. There we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna we, create this and start selling it from my website. Boom. Yeah, you know you'll have a lot of OCR athletes pick up on that because you know we all have a boot at one point or another. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, a lot of the times when I do work out, um, I'm still on maternity leave for another, uh, about a week and a half. Um, so when I am working out a lot of times it's like ride the bike for 10 minutes. Oh, the baby woke up, run downstairs, calm the baby back down, run back upstairs, get back on the bike. <laughs> so everything's kind of fragmented, but I, I still try to make time, um, to work out and, I don't know if this is approved by the doctor either, but I also still take walks around my neighborhood, um, pushing the baby in the stroller. Yes, wearing the boot. Um, so my pace is about a 22-minute mile at this point. Nice. That's, <laughs> that's about what my pace was at the end of the OCR mill, so don't feel too bad. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, that sounds accurate. <laughs> right on. So, Ashley, when are you – when do you pull, when's your first, obviously we're thinking out long-term because you have to recover and then build up and then essentially taper. So when's your first quote unquote return to racing plans for? Um, I may do just a local race or step into some five K's towards the end of the year here. Um, assuming that my foot decides that that's a good thing to do. Um, but I probably won't return to any race any any major racing till probably spring um just because that's kind of where the race the race series that i run fall would probably be you know probably march i would expect to be back out racing but i don't necessarily expect to be a hundred percent either um i actually had a c-section this time around so oh yeah um, recovery is a lot longer for that yeah, I was pretty much cut in half. So getting back the core strength and things like that also affects your upper body strength. So like right now, I can't even do a single pull up um, due to having no core strength from being cut in half. And then Oy. also having pain in my back still from the epidural. So it's kind of, um, it, it's going to be a longer road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, yeah. when my my wife gave birth normal way on the first baby. And she was like, I went out to get food after the baby was born and I came back and she was like up walking around. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And then this one with, with the C-section, I mean, it was like, I mean, just that, I mean, you could there's noticeably a difference, right? Like I had to help, like help her to the bathroom and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was, it was also a little anti on a, on a personal note, it was a little anticlimactic, right? Like the, the first one was like pushing and there's like grunting and then the baby comes out and the C-section, they're like, here's your baby it's like that was it i was in there for like five minutes they just like slice her open there's blood everywhere and it's like here's your baby you're like oh okay cool (laughs) yeah yeah i've had both experiences too smith was vaginal and then arden was a c-section um even though i was in labor for like 12 hours before they decided to go the c-section route but i I can Poor girl. Worst of all. Oh my worlds. gosh. I'm over yeah. here cringing like, oh man. Dude. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. I don't I don't no. mind being I don't mind being pregnant. I, I'm a pretty happy pregnant person because I'm still able to do most things. Um, you know, as far as working out and stuff like that goes. Um so that never really bothered me. But I mean the childbirth is not fun and the recovery is also not fun. So um, this is my last baby though. So 
we're, we're good. We're done. <laughs> well, you need to take as much time as you need to just get completely recovered. As soon as you start feeling better, take like another yeah. couple weeks, you know? Yeah, that's, that's good that's advice. That's probably some solid advice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hope everyone enjoyed that pregnancy talk and birth giving talk. We're going to, Ashley's got to go take care of a baby, which is more important than us running our mouths about OCR. So we're going to let her go. Before we go though, since we have three people on the podcast, we're going to do the tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you question. And then we'll jump back into some more OCR discussion. And it'll be just me and Jordan for a couple more minutes before uh, we let all the listeners go. So question, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you, Ashley or Jordan. Whoever wants to go first can uh, take the ball there. I will go first. Um, I, I'm, last time I told about my love for chocolate chip cookies, um, this time I'm going to totally change gears. I'm, I'm actually from Michigan. So when I heard about Jordan running the Michigan Spartan, I was so curious about what it was like to race in Michigan. Um, I moved here to Florida when I graduated college. So I've been here for like 14 years or something like that, 13 years. Um, and so, yeah, I used to have a little bit of cold in my blood, but it's long since left. And so now I'm a Florida girl and I only like running races in warm weather. <laughs> right on. Well, Michigan was awesome. Yeah, I think uh, you should try the Michigan Spartan next year. If they have it at the same place, it's it's like a cross between a stadium and an outdoor because they have it at uh, the Michigan Speedway, and it's oh, okay. so fast. Yeah, it's so fast, and it's just flat the entire time, and we get to run on the track. Um, yeah, I mean, we're flying out there. It's, it was super fast. It's a really, it's a really fun one. But yeah, I would it. like that. I love flat courses. And I actually raced at Michigan International Speedway um, for cross-country states. So it'd be mm -hmm. kind of coming full circle for me. That's cool. Yeah, see, it's meant to be. <laughs> there you go. And it's in summer, right? It's like June. Uh, you know what? No, it was just recent. Wait. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was just recent. Yeah. So. As long as it's not too cold or we don't get well, this too gives wet. You to, this gives <laughs> you like a, a lot more time to recover too. So if it's later yeah. in the year, then that should be good. That's true. I'll, start, I'll have to uh, look it up for next cold season. showers. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jordan, what do you got? Um, all right, let's see here. I think people don't know that I, I'm really good at sewing. <laughs> and I'm serious. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one thing I like to do. Um, I actually hemmed Cass's, uh, like, one of her, a few of her dresses for her and stuff like that and altered them and stuff. And I fix like any clothing I have and yeah I took sewing in school and stuff and I've always kind of enjoyed it so I got a nice little sewing a, kit and do you have a sewing machine I don't have a sewing machine I don't so you're doing this I all will, by hand I do it by hand yeah but I, oh I will goodness. eventually get a sewing machine because that'll make things a lot easier yeah you need one for sure that's awesome yeah thanks thank you right on Okay. Well, I don't have one that's pretty good that relates to either one of those. So I'll, I'll go with a different topic. So maybe people won't be surprised about this. So I, I am pretty nerdy. So when, when I race a series and it's something is unique about that series, example, uh, Warrior Rush, the series in, uh, from Dirt Runner, like their medal had a Gladiator helmet on it from the movie Gladiator. And after the race, I was like, hmm, interesting let me research gladiators and I'll go off like the deep end on a tangent where I end up researching whatever that race series uses as their logo, like the actual historical factual stuff behind it. And I'll kind of, you know, run through that, you know, down the rabbit hole for a couple of weeks exploring that. So <laughs> super random, right? Like because of conquer the gauntlet, I have this like uh, knowledge base of like knight's armor, which I don't know what I'm supposed to do with now. Um, <laughs> the gauntlet. <laughs> The, uh, It'll come in handy yeah. one day. The Warrior Rush, the Warrior Rush one was actually super interesting because I ended up researching gladiators. Um, the mask from the movie Gladiator is like not historically accurate whatsoever, so that's like a complete Hollywood thing. But the actual gladiators was super interesting because a lot of the stuff we know about them is from Pompeii because the actual gladiator training area was, you know, covered in the volcano. So a lot of their the stuff we know about them is research from that. And there was all sorts of interesting stuff, you know, like the thumbs up, thumbs down thing 
they don't necessarily know that that's what the you know kill them or don't kill them sign is. They just it's described in his, history as essentially a, a movement with the with the hand, and some some Hollywood producer essentially took that as thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, but realistically, that's probably too small of a movement to see from the grandstands. So it'd probably be something else. And uh, they wow. don't know they don't know how often people fought to the death. Uh, there there's estimates anywhere from like ten percent of the time up to like ninety percent. It's like depending on who you talk to and who you research, so stuff like that. And then the other thing that was interesting, I always thought it was like a free-for-all, like you just grab whatever weapons you want and head out there. But there's actually like essentially like eight to 12 quote-unquote characters that people play, and then they go out and fight in those specific characters, and they have specific matchups. So there's like the heavily armored one versus the lightly armored one. And the, you know, they, they wear protection around their head and essentially their vital organs um, because you want the match to last a long time. So... A lot of the times, you know, their their blows are meant to bleed them to make the show more interesting. So, random gladiator facts. <laughs> said, yeah, and then he ends it with, "But I don't know much." <laughs> no, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I you just you just like killed it. Like you knew a whole bunch. It's so hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, a bunch of YouTube videos and a bunch of couple of books, couple of audiobooks, and you know, about three weeks of my time, and that's what I end up with. <laughs> about three weeks of my time <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll get into some of the other ones i've covered at a different point but yeah that's that's that um ashley will let you go and uh jordan will a couple more ocr questions before we let you go cool all right thank you and congratulations on an awesome season to both of you and hopefully i'll be seeing you guys next year sounds good all right take care see ya so Jordan, one of the other recent changes uh, that I know my teammate was pretty upset about was Spartan announced, I guess they're making people qualify for the pro heat now, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. So now you have to, you have to submit an application, right? And you have to pay, I believe it's $30 um, to compete in the elite heat. Now you actually have to have a previous podium finish or like a top 10 finish, I think it is in the elite heat to, yeah, I don't know the exact placement, but you have to have done, you have to have done a Spartan race to actually be able to get into the elite heat for Spartan. So if you haven't done Spartan, um, I would suggest doing a Spartan soon. If you plan on racing Spartan next year, um, just to kind of like get the ball rolling. Yep. So I think it's actually a, a really good step because you know, the elite heat gets really watered down and um, with athletes that just really shouldn't be there or just they don't know that they shouldn't be there just because they want to get in the early wave. And um, especially for the women, you know, they have to go around the guys, you know, they have to freaking, you know, it's just a whole nother obstacle for them. You know, they have to wait in line sometimes. So, but yeah, that's a new rule. You know, they're, um, they're making it so you have to qualify to get in the, in the, in the elite heat and even age group heats. And, I think it's a really good step that they're taking. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I, so I, I don't race Spartan typically, so it doesn't really affect me. So it, I'd say it it does make me it does make me pick sides, right? Like, you know, there, there's always a possibility I'm going to jump in and do a Spartan race in the Elite Heat, but now because I typically don't do them, I'm like I'm definitely not going to do that. But I, they weren't getting my money in the first place anyway, so. I mean, I think it's a good step. It's a good business move. <clears throat> you know, you're making, you're making people commit to their brand and follow that brand. So I actually don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's and like you were saying, a lot of those things you're saying about the, you know, especially the women having to run around uh, some of the slower guys, you know, which yeah. can be a pain in the ass um, for them. I mean, for, I mean, for example, like, you know, the women start 30 minutes behind us, you know what I mean? And if they're catching up if a woman is catching up to you you know and you have a 30 minute head start i mean honestly what are you what are you doing in that wave you know yeah so yeah. i think you know all the athletes want it to be this way that race spartan and i think it's just a really good decision i'm really happy about it i am because a lot of time you try to fight your way up you know to the front and you know a lot of people just want that photo right yep. you know jumping yeah. off you know and uh i mean you see that every race someone literally sprints out you know, runs the first half mile at a PR pace and then immediately stops, right? You know, yeah. It's literally everywhere. So, 
yeah, kind of you know messes this up. So I think this is good. This is really good. I'm excited for it. And I like I was saying, I think I think it's good for Spartan the brand. You know, they're making people commit to their series. I, it's a good business move, in my opinion. I think it's a good business move. Yeah. I mean, as a yeah. if I was an athlete like Amy Pajic, who essentially occasionally races Spartans, or if you're someone who does the, like like the one elite heat a year for Spartan, it sucks for you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you know, Spartans making you making you choose where you want to spend your time and money. And uh, I think in the end, it'll, it'll benefit them. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a business. It is a business. Yeah. And it makes sense to, I think I made this prediction before. I think Spartan is going the way of, you know, the turning the pro team into a pro league essentially. And I think this is one step towards that direction where, you know, in order to race the national series, you have to be on the pro team, which is essentially a pro league. You know, it's, it's, basically you need to, you need to earn your way into the age group heat, earn your way into the elite heat, and then earn your way into the national series heat. That's my, that's what yeah. I think they're going. I don't know if that's true, but just Evan's speculation. I hope it goes that route. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, any professional sport, you can't just sign up and compete, you know? Yep. Yeah. You have to earn your way. You have to, you have to work for it. So. If they're going to be legitimate, this is a really good step towards that. So, And it also makes it easier for them to do a lot of coverage, right? If you know who all the people are in the elite heat, especially at like the national series, you don't have some, you know, random – and it's been a while since we've had like really random people. But, you know, you can sometimes have a random like triathlete or, you know, runner – be at the front of the pack for the first couple of miles of a, you have a major race and no, like, I don't know who this person is or what they're doing, you know, it makes an announcing easier if you know exactly who's in the heat and what their qualifications are and you know, where they placed in the past, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. You can prepare a lot, look of, a lot more professional. Too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. So what do we got left for you in 2019 and uh, let's talk plans for 2020. Um, so tomorrow, actually, I have a four by 800 meter relay, right, with my old track coach and a couple of my old track buddies. And this is at Soldier Field in Chicago. Um, it's, I don't think there's a track over there, so I think it's going to be on the road or in the grass or maybe it'll be on the football field. I'm not sure how this is going to work. There's not a lot of details. Um, it's at 7.30 p.m., so it's going to be at night. And yeah, it's fun. It's different. You know, I haven't done an 800 meter since high school, like race. So I'm excited for it. And then get to do it with my old coach and old track buddies. It's going to be fun. So I got that tomorrow. Um, after that, I think my next race is going to be uh, Wrigley Field in Chicago, the stadium race. Spartan has a stadium race at Wrigley Field. And I'm a huge Cubs fan. So I love the fact that they're going there. And I never know if they're going to do it again. So I've got to get there. And uh, after that, I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm, there's definitely going to be more because like I said, I, I started racing early this season. Then, you know, I, I dealt with that injury. So then I kind of had to stop for a good chunk of time. It was like five months that I didn't even get to race an obstacle course race. And then I was biking in between to try to keep myself competitive. You know, I had to do something that had to do with racing. So I found mountain bike racing. Um, so now I feel like my year is, is starting late, right? And I'm feeling really fit. So I don't want to like waste this fitness. So I'm going to race, but I'm going to find a couple things here and there. Not going to race too much, but I plan to race at least, at least six more times by the end of the year. Sounds good. We're looking forward to seeing how you do. For 2020, big plans. You're going to do all the national series or kind of depending on wait, wait till the schedule comes out and then make a decision. What's your, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think next year I I'm, I think I'm going to commit to the whole national series, right? So I'm going to make sure that um, I'm going to assume that it's going to be in February, right? So I'm going to make sure that I get a month off completely, right? Um, then I'll just start base building. And then my first national series race, obviously, I won't be in great shape, but I'm going to build into it all the way up to championships. Sounds like a good plan. And I'm preparing early. I like what you're saying. You're still taking the off season and then preparing for assuming it's a February race and adjust, adjust from there. Cause worst comes to worst. You just have more time to prepare. So. Yeah. I thought I lost you for a second. I was getting an incoming call. Sorry. No um, 
Yeah. So national series for sure. But I, I want to, you know, what I really want to try next year is um, I want to try to continue with you with CTG. Yeah. Really right, man. It sounds so fun. And I really, I really like the idea of being able to podium in both. And I think that would be so hard, especially if you're there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to try that. I really, so I want to try that. I would like to do more uh, CTGs and I would like to do some Savage races and uh, yeah, maybe it just, I was a few runs. That I, uh, there's a really big run where I'm from here in Racine. Uh, it's called the lighthouse run and I've been wanting to win that thing uh, every year. I didn't get to do it last year, but I've been, it's like, it's, uh, it's like 10,000 competitors and, it's crazy. It's huge. It's one of the biggest uh, running races in Wisconsin. And um, if I can do that one, that's probably one of the, that's probably going to be one of my A races right there. And it's only four miles, four mile road race, but it would be huge for me to win that one. It's like a, a huge goal of mine. Cool. Yeah. yeah we, you're obviously always welcome at Conquer the Gauntlet and we'd love to see you there. So uh, you always do well. So come on out and continuum was a, it's a great time. Obviously that's my, it's my bread and butter there. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that we have that in the Conquer the Gauntlet series now. Also takes a lot of the pressure off of, um, you know, four, four miles is not my specialty. So I had, I had a yeah. lot of self-imposed pressure to do well uh, when it was, the continuum wasn't an option. But yeah. Yeah, the continuum sounds fun, man. And I like, I like that long grind, like ultra feel, you know. Um, yeah, you know what? I actually would really like to try an ultra this year. But I think I might be getting a little too uh, carried away. I I don't know. I like the ultra stuff, but I'm always scared to get back into trying it again because it's like if you don't train properly, you're just going to get hurt. You know? Yeah. It, it does take yeah. a huge hit to your system, right? I mean, you, yeah. you need a long recovery after that. So Exactly. You know, the recovery after it is just – I mean, when I did that toughest that one time, I mean, I was wrecked forever afterwards in uh, – it took me so long. I feel like I never got better from that months down the line. So, but I love it. I love the uh, long stuff. I love the short stuff. I like all distances. So, cool. I mean, any 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 interest in going to Sweden for the twenty four? Assuming obviously not this year, but like you know, a year or two down the line. That would be actually pretty cool. I mean, that could be if I start like winning these national series races and like I can be, you know, like go for that million that they keep on throwing around. Oh, heck yeah. Get me there. <laughs> that that um, million is, I mean, that's just a public, there's, there's just no way you start doing the math and how fast you have to be. And you know, Oh yeah. We, I mean, make it, it impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible, but I will say, I think, again, I think it's a good business move. It, it draws people att attention both in our industry mm -hmm. and then without outside the industry. So if, you know, when they heard, when other people outside of the OCR world heard there was a million dollars on the line last year, like there was like a national UK paper that paid attention and wrote an article about John Alban, right? And that brings advertisement. It brings attention to the sport. I think it's, it's all good. You know, and if, if you know, if you understand the distances and what Spartans asking people to do, you'll understand how much of a reach it is. But oh yeah, for I sure. Mean, again, I think that publicity is publicity. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we're, I think, when the sport does well, we all do well, right? Like there's more prize money, the obstacles, it's, the companies will have more money. So they'll be able to put more money into the obstacles, theoretically making the obstacles better and stuff like that. So you know, yeah, I'm, all, yeah, I'm all for definitely. the ridiculous, the ridiculous, impossible uh, prize things they're putting up there. I think that's great. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you going to go to Sweden? No. Uh, you I mean, ever try that one? I really want, um, so now with Spartan's new elite rule, I'm not sure that I think, I think that might have made me make my decision for, for the next couple of years at least, but mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm not a mountain runner and I really want to not to do like a ultra or a 24 hour Spartan race. That's not on a mountain. That would be, that would be much preferred. Um, and I guess technically Iceland was not necessarily on a mountain, but it was very icy and not runnable. So I'd, I would like it if they would do something. You know, not not pancake flat, but not mountain course. So, yeah, yeah. or out of elevation. You know, right out of elevation. Yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> it's I agree. Not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, man. I it really isn't. Yeah, I mean, it's... it caters to mountain runners, you know, and uh, they just have the upper hand, and it just kind of sucks. Like, yeah. I don't mind the hills. 
just please bring it down out of elevation. Like the West Virginia location, you know, there's a lot of hills. It's it's probably just amount of, the same amount of gain at that uh, that race as uh, Tahoe, you know. So the same same elevation gain, but I mean, it's like three thousand feet. Yeah, you know, high. So I mean, I can deal with that, and I love that one. They should put the championship there. Yeah, I agree. I I think adding elevation adds another factor. You know, the especially keeping that elevation for so many years, right? Like if you want to do it once or twice as like a novelty, I get it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think, and we've I feel like we've had this discussion several times with people, and we've discussed it online as far as like you know, should the championship be the hardest race ever? And I I think most sports that's not true most sports it's just another event and the you know the depth of competition essentially is what is what is making it the championship and the fact that everyone is training and peaking for this specific race versus like hey now the bucket carry is twice as long and the sandbags are twice as heavy and the temperature is half as warm and the elevation is four times as high i think that's Mm -hmm. you know i think and i also think it keeps it more interesting right If if every championship is at a mountain you know, you're catering to one specific type of people versus if you do a mountain, you know, for a couple of years and then you switch to flat course for a couple of years and then you switch to, you know, technical terrain for a couple of years. I think that again, keeps the sport a little more interesting and changes up maybe who are the top, you know, 10 people for men and women. Just my two Yeah, cents, exactly. So. Exactly. No, I agree with you. Cool. Well, jumping back to continuum, like we were talking about earlier, uh, I ran continue. I ran the last continuum in little rock uh last weekend and a quick story from that so you know i i did well at my other continuums i came in first for all of them so if you did four medal four ctg races this year you got a centurion medal so like an oversized medal and i wanted a centurion medal and i also wanted since i had already had three wins i wanted to win the fourth one to have like essentially like a quote-unquote perfect centurion medal and i'm driving down to little rock on friday for the race I'm like to my wife, I'm like, hand me a trash bag. She's like, what? I was like, just hand me a trash bag. She hands me a trash bag and I throw up in the car. But, you know, I'm partially on my lap, partially in the trash bag. Get out of the car, throw up behind the car. You know, I get back in the car and I was like, should we go home? Because we're only an hour away from home. And I made the decision to keep driving. Made it about another three hours, threw up again. And then basically got the little rock, went to my hotel and slept for 11 hours. And then got up and raced the next morning. Uh, I didn't I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want other people to know that I was sick. Yeah. Because then they'll take advantage of it, right? They'll be like, oh, well, if he's sick, I'm going to keep pushing the pace. You know, yeah. and I, <laughs> I just wanted everyone else to stop so I could stop is yeah. what I really wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I kept oh, man, that. That's rough, man. Yeah. So I kept that to myself. And I actually, what was funny was, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to take a piss and I was super dizzy. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm racing tomorrow. And then I, I woke up in the morning and I felt okay despite having not eaten anything for 24 hours went to the start line still felt all right started running felt pretty good for about the first three laps and uh yeah and then i kept going and and won so ended up working itself out it was a little bit of a gamble and i actually felt better after than i did beforehand um but it kind of reminds me of some of the um some of my experiences from special forces selection whereas you know i think there's always a good reason to quit and there's always a good reason to keep going and wherever you whatever decision you make you can justify whatever answer you come up with in your mind right like there's there's plenty of good reasons to quit at all times and there's plenty of good reasons to keep going and you know my decision was to keep going and my primary goal was not to end up in the hospital at the end of the day because I was worried I was super dehydrated <laughs> uh, but it ended up it ended up panning out and you know I was trying to stay on top of my nutrition even better than I usually do and luckily I use all liquid nutrition. So I <clears throat> didn't have any problems eating because I was essentially just drinking calories, but yeah, it, it played out well for me. So happy end to my uh, conquer the gauntlet season there. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. And your perfect uh, continuum record. That's yeah, yeah, pretty absolutely. dope, man. And yeah. that was the, that was the other thing. It was like, Oh, do I want to risk, you know, running and you know, like I, I quote unquote lose my continuum to, yeah. you know, and I'm, and it's like, oh, well, I was sick. And it's like, well, then why did you show up to race? And it's like, well, yeah. So I was running through all these options in my head. And in the end, I was like, you know what? You know, at some point, at some point, I will lose continuum. So, you know, what does it matter whether it's now or in a year or in five years, whatever it is, you know? So I was like, let's just, let's just go with it, right? Like, yeah, you made the right fun. choice. 
So good stuff, man. Yeah. And that was, uh, so that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, a couple of weeks before that I did Casey timber challenge, which is one of the local OCRs up here in, um, Kansas city, the permanent obstacle course venue. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to them because they've just made huge improvements on their course. They added like a low rig, which was actually, it was actually pretty challenging. Like my arms got pumped out crossing it cause it was super awkward and it was kind of long. So, um, anyone who's in the Casey area, you can check them out. Uh, they do a, yeti race in the winter in january and then they have a bunch of other races uh typically don't have prize money and actually usually the only race that's competitive is the casey extreme timber challenge in september everything else is just kind of a fun run but they really stepped up their obstacle game um so make sure you know if you're looking for a good race but or looking for a good ocr training or just some fun i would definitely head up if you're in it solely for competing in prize money and stuff like that um you know maybe not not go with them but they, uh, I think they're, they do have some new and exciting stuff coming in 2020 that they're working on. Hopefully it all pans out, but we'll, we'll bring you that as we hear more updates about them. And then last quick up shout out I wanted to give was to the hammer race, which is the race in Minnesota where you carry a 10 pound sledgehammer for the 10 K and all the obstacles are hammer themed. I talk about it in my book, mud run guides ultimate OCR bucket list uh, said they, they decided they are no longer putting on races. So um, as we're recording this, this two days from now will be their last race or last planned race, <coughs> which kind of sucks because they were super unique, but it was up in Minnesota. So hopefully they bring it back one day, but it, it was a very unique event. And uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. I ran up there with the strength and speed team earlier this year. So are you going to go up there? No, this last one. No, I'm actually going to – I'm running the Army 10-miler up in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Okay. As part of the – essentially, the, my, my, lo- my base has a team. So they pay for your flights and hotels and give you – essentially give you money for showing up. So I, uh, that's what I'm doing this weekend. And because that's I'm training – yeah, because I'm training for World's Toughest Mudder, like I'm just <laughs> – I'm training through it. So like I, you know, I ran 10 miles – I ran 12 miles today. I ran 10 miles yesterday. I ran 20 miles the day before. And – I'm not tapered at all for this, so my time will not be good. But no, I do get paid, and I will yeah. have a, a free. It may trip. be though. It may be. You know, like I've run surprisingly some of my fastest times without tapering. Really? Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I pr'd, I pr'd in my 5k this year. Like my my fat, I did a pr in my 5k after like a 50 mile week, which is a lot of miles for me in a week, right? Yeah. And I didn't taper for it and I, I trained through it and yeah, I PR'd in my 5k and it was, um, my track coach, you know what I mean? Like I still get, um, he's like a mentor to me. So I still get advice from him. And I, you know, I asked him, I was like, I really want to fight. I want to PR in this 5k. Like, how do I taper? How should I taper for this? And he's like, you know, you'll run some of your best times without tapering, you know? And, um, I did it. I just, I took his advice and do it. I ran my fastest 5k this year. So you never know. Maybe you'll just go out there and just freaking kill it. Could be. We'll see. The, the one yeah. thing that's nice about it is the weather's always super nice. It's always like cold at the start. Uh, and then once you start moving, it feels great. So it's like the perfect temperature. The course is pretty flat. And the best, the other best part is there's literally thousands of people. So you always have a rabbit to chase. So that's every, awesome. every time I go there, I mean, I usually run like two minutes faster than what I'm expecting to run. So it's, it's, yeah. Cause you're just, you're just running people down. And then especially those last like three miles, like, I mean, people are just, cause people are terrible at, at pacing, especially yeah. people from the army. We have like the, like the world's worst pacers <laughs> and people just, people just straight up die in those last three miles. And I, that's like when I come alive and I just start, I start crushing just souls. We, weaving through people. And just yeah. Like, it's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I feel like, I feel like every time you pass someone, you like suck their energy away from them. You're like, Oh, it's know. so it's, true. It is. No, that's true. It is. That's a real thing. You really do. Yeah. So I, I love those last three miles typically. Cause I, I just burn people to the ground. So <laughs> sucker, gotcha, sucker. <laughs> it's like running past them. Like, yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah we'll see how fun. I do this weekend. Uh, Good no, luck. No expectations, but yeah. All right, we'll we'll let you go. Any other things you want to share with us about your training or plans, etc.? Nah. Words man. of wisdom. Jordan's words of words wisdom. Of, <laughs> Jordan's words of wisdom. 
Jordan's words of wisdom. Go play in the woods. <laughs> That's yeah. my words of wisdom. Yeah, just go go outside and have fun. You know what I mean? Uh, get out from the electronics. Get outside, enjoy nature, breathe in the fresh air, and just have fun. Put your phone away or just keep your phone with you. I mean, I always have my phone with me because I got kids. So, but um, try to ignore it for a while and just go have fun outside. There you go. That's a little bit of wisdom for you. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Any shout outs you want to give to friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? Um, yeah. I mean, I have a few sponsors. I'm sponsored by Mud Gear. You know, they hook me up. I love the Mud Gear stuff. I use it all the time. That's the only socks I'll race in. Um, and I do wear their shirt. And, and sometimes you wear their socks as sleeves. Apparently. Sometimes I wear the socks as arm sleeves. Yeah. But so, they do yeah. have arm sleeves that you can buy, I believe. They do. So, yeah. The, so you, don't have to, you don't have, have to ruin your socks. Yeah. The arm sleeves have pads in them. Um, they have actual pads in them and I'm not too, I've never tried them and I've never really, uh, I've seen armor stuff with pads before and I didn't, I thought it was kind of a little too bulky for me. So that's why I haven't tried them, but maybe they're not that bulky. I don't know. I'll give them a shot and I'll let you guys know later. But yeah, um, I got another sponsor. It's called H and H Exteriors. They helped me out. Um, thank you. And then Spartan Race, you know, sponsored by Spartan Race. So All right. Spartan Pro Team. That's right. Yes. Yes, Which, sir. This is your yes, first sir. year, so I was super excited. A uh, long time coming. You know, I knew you had the quality and potential to be on that team. So it was good to see you get the offer finally. So yeah, congratulations on that. I worked my butt off for it, man. So trying to work my way up, you know, uh, stepping stones, small stepping stones, but we'll get there. Right on. Well, I'm excited to Jordan to see what else you got in the future. Any other, did I cut you off of your sponsors? No, no, you're good. Okay. (laughs) Cool. We're going to, we're going to let Jordan go, uh, head over to teamstrengthspeed.com, Blegmits, books. Uh, we just did a gooder giveaway for sunglasses on the Instagram page of strength and speed. So if you're not following Instagram strength and speed, start following them because we hopefully going to do more of those in the next uh, year where we give away free stuff just for people tagging and sharing things. So uh, if you want to see who won the gooder glasses, you can head back and check out those posts. All right. I think that's about it. That wraps it up. Jordan again, thanks for coming on and we will, uh, we'll see you around. Yeah, for sure, man. Take care. I'll see you.